Hey, I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Today, I'm super excited. We don't talk about this much, but I have a very cool topic and guest, Mimi Prunella Hernandez. Um, we're going to talk herbal um, remedies, things that are all natural. Uh, there's a new book that's out from National Geographic called Herbal uh, 100 Herbs from the World's Healing Traditions. And uh, it is by Mimi. And before we bring her on, I'm going to give you a quick background about her. And um, she is an MS and an RH uh, and an AHG, lots of acronyms there. Um, she's a clinical herbalist and ethnobotanist uh, with a Master of Science in Herbal Medicine. She is a registered herbalist with the American Herb herbalist or herbalist, I'm going to ask her when she comes on how to pronounce it, uh, Guild, and has served as its executive director for 10 years. In 2023, she received a Botanical Excellence Award from the American Botanical Council and was honored as a Mark Blumenthal Herbal Community Builder. Hernandez lives in the foothills of North Carolina, and she stewards and advocates for native medicinal plants in the Ponder land sanctuary please welcome mimi prunella hernandez to the podcast welcome hi thanks heather for having me i'm really happy to be here i'm so excited this is not something we've talked like all natural we talk about remedies and sure. um, you know naturopath but this is going to mm -hmm. be super fun um is it herbologist herbologist do you pronounce the h i pronounce it herbalist most people and every now and then the h slides out like herbalist and I don't know. I just think it has a ring to it. So, okay. Uh, <laughs> you know where you're from, I suppose. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, before we jump in, I'm going to ask you, what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory? Cookie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so I think that, um, my favorite cookie growing up, I used to make these cookies or like sugar cookies, with the little dot of jelly on top so I used to use like like strawberry jelly and put that dot on top um and um that's like I I love making cookies so um you know I don't I haven't made those for a long time but I will say I probably do make the best chocolate chip cookies so um, I'm just going to throw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a classic. It's a major favorite. Um, it's just a fun way to just break the ice and chat. It goes with chaos and cookies, the the, the show, uh, keeping moms from crumbling, which um, I'm excited Love to it. dive in. You're a mom. Uh, how old are you? Uh -huh. So I have a 28 year old who's a middle school teacher in Roanoke, Virginia. Um, and I have a 20 year old who's, um, here in North Carolina in Asheville, who's going to nursing school. Um, and then, um, at home, uh, we have a 13 year old son who's in middle school. Wow. So spread, spread across quite a bit. I'm still, my, my oldest will be 10 next month, next week. Um, uh -huh. crazy. And then I, they span to eight and six and, you know, 
So I'm still in the very beginning stages. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Getting to that preteen, preteen. Uh-huh. Um, but I take um extreme interest in all natural remedies and stuff because my daughter, who is eight, has vitiligo and we found it when she was um three. And it doesn't run in the family and we've done some like light therapy and um, creams and stuff, but I've always taken interest in maybe like foods or any type of all natural things you could put on the skin. Now it is funny because um, I have spot removal bottle in my uh, uh, laundry room and she came out the other day and was like, mom, I told you I didn't want to remove my spots. And I'm like, that oh, is not so for your spots. Those are ah. Clothing, and she's like, <laughs> I know. I was like, so I kind of put it on hold because she embraces them and she's proud of them, and they're on her knees, and she's good. She, if she anyone's gonna have it, it would be her. But I've looked into some all organic stuff, so this was something I was kind of really excited about getting this book. So tell mm-hmm. us a little more about. It's a book called Herbal, and it's a hundred herbs from the world's healing traditions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so the book has nine chapters, and uh, it really starts with how we sense herbs using our own sensory perception, like how herbs smell and beautiful herbs like roses and how, um, you know, some herbs are hot and some herbs are cold and some herbs are drying and some herbs are moistening. So kind of get that lens of how to understand herbs a little better. And of course, we go into the kitchen right away um, with the kitchen herbalist chapter because that's really the seat of the herbal homestead. Um, And uh, from there we go into apothecary herbalism and there's a lot of DIY for how to make syrups and how to make topical ointments and salves and infused vinegars and just different recipes. Um, And then we go out to the garden and I share some of my favorite gardening herbs in the garden herbalist chapter and topical herbalist. And, and we just span out, we go to talk about weeds and, and woodland plants and, and how herbs help communities. And and then we pan out to global herbalism, which talks about some of the most popular herbs in the world and, um, and some of the ethical issues about their sustainability and, and how we use them. So, so yes. Is this your first book with National Geographic? It is my first book, completely my first book. Awesome. And how long did it take you to get all this information. It probably took well to get all the information is a lifetime, right? Um to sit down and write it took me about three years. Wow. And you wrote mm-hmm. all of this. I did. I did. So did. Did you approach them on this idea or did they find you? How does one get into <laughs> well I was really lucky they just called me one day. So oh. um that's fantastic because I just remember like texting my kids and, and my brother and sister and being uh national geographic just left me a voicemail that they are interested in working with me. So um, I had taught at a medical school um, on the West coast. And um, I think there was, you know, someone there who loved my classes and happened to have a bestie who worked at national geographic and told them about me. And that just, you know, one thing led to another. Awesome. So how did you get interested in this specific topic? It's very, it's, I mean, it's, it's, everyone's all about all natural and things like that, but this is to another level. It's amazing. 
Right. Well, um, herbal medicine has been my passion in life. It's what I've done my whole adult life. And even as a child, just um, watching my grandmothers, uh, you know, stir the pot and brew the tea and, and, uh, you know, gather herbs. And, and I just remember like my, my grandmother always smelled of herbs and, and her kitchen always smelled of herbs. And so I just have these memories of watching my grandmas. And then, you know, growing up as a child, I was super academic and very sciencey. So I love like learning about the body and about health. And um, so, you know, when I was a grown up and had some decisions to make as a young grown up, I um, just put two and two together and was like, okay, nature, um, herbs, but what my grandma showed me and I want to study health and, and just eventually that became herbal medicine and I ran with it. I was like obsessed. <laughs> I bet. I mean, it's pretty fantastic. The book is, um, beautiful with, I mean, National Geographic always does an amazing job with their photography. Um, it's just always very stunning imagery. Um, mm. and it's just very clean and simple. I have it actually on my, um, coffee table because it's just, it's such a beautiful book in general. But um, I was curious on if you have any household ones that you keep in uh, always stocked in your house, if you find that some are really um, used all the time with kids or just every day, maybe cooking or health cleaning. Um, yeah, in terms of herbs, um, you know, my, our 13 year old uh, is always having trouble with like, being restless in the evening and and we have what we call his sleepy drops and his sleepy drops is like the sweet um uh, elixir of chamomile with lemon balm and and he just every night you know he has this tool that that he we keep it on the counter and every night about 15 minutes before bedtime he takes his sleepy drops and he's like a teenager now and he still relies on those sleepy drops and and now he's like he you know, such a important, I think, empowering for them to, to have a remedy that they can rely on, uh, and, um, that they can kind of, uh, uh, use to support themselves. Um, and, and so, yeah, we do the sleepy drops and you make that, you make that yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. And is there like, um, a guide on how we can do stuff like that in the book? So there, there's some tidbits in there and, uh, with, you know, with kids, a lot of times we like to use, make a gliss, what we call glycerates because they're sweet and they're alcohol free. And what we do is we soak the herbs in vegetable glycerin that you can get at like the drugstore you can order online, uh, and, uh, vegetable glycerin. It's just like really sweet. It doesn't affect the blood sugar and it's alcohol free. So then it like, it pulls out a lot of the medicinal aspects of the herbs, especially good tasting, uh, aromatic herbs. And so I just, you know, soak it in a jar with, with the herbs and, and, you know, the, the, the glycerin turns this kind of brown green to brown color. And then I just put in a little dispenser bottle with the dropper on it. And he oh. just takes a, a squirt every night and, and that really helps him, um, you know, calm down in the evening. Cause he's a little bit of a hyper kid. Yeah. I've got one of those. Yeah. 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 And, oh yeah. And I don't like to really use the melatonin. I use some chamomile based things, but you know, with melatonin, it's more of that. It, you never know how much you're getting and there's lots of studies. And so you want something and sometimes all natural, the things that you find or homeopathic, maybe not work. 
And mm-hmm. so always looking for ways to help myself and also parents, you know, with mm-hmm. more natural ways, we don't want to put things in our body that we don't need or have to. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And what about, do you grow your own, like in your own garden? And if you mm-hmm. don't, where's a really great resource to perhaps get like reliable, natural, untainted herbs? Mm-hmm. So I do um, grow several herbs in my garden. I have a a spiral herb garden and I also have a couple of raised beds and most of the herbs I grow here are things that I would use in the kitchen. So they're aromatic and, and, and just lovely. Like, like I love lemongrass and holy basil and thyme and oregano. And and so these are things I clip and, and bring in. Um, and the holy basil I do, I, I grow lots of it. I mean, I, I don't grow lots of it, but it keeps coming back. It's like the more I clip it, the more it comes back in. Oh, yeah. So I have like many harvests over a summer and I bring it in and we we drink holy basil tea like every day over the summer because it tastes so good and it's so refreshing. But it also helps, you know, us parents like be more stress-free because it helps the adrenal glands and it helps the blood sugar and it just keeps us grounded and, and helps like declutter our mind. It's called holy basil or Tulsi. Mm -hmm. Who would have thought basil would be the calming agent? It is. It's so calming and it's so wonderful. Yeah. And it's holy basil. It's a little different than the basil we get for Italian cooking. Um, it has a, a little bit of a different flavor, but they're very closely related and it's a sacred plant in India, but it grows so well in gardens in a hot summer from seed. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And so it's a um, hundred er- herbs from the world's healing traditions. How many did you have to take out? when you were trying to whittle up down to a hundred, which is already a lot. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, I had, that was a really difficult part of the journey was to decide which herbs I was going to talk about. And some, you know, I would say right off the bat, 50 were super obvious. They were just like the ones I use every day and I love and the ones that the world knows about. And, and, and then I wanted to be really conscious about choosing herbs from various traditions like we have rubos tea from Africa. That's, that's, you know, so wonderful. And you can pretty much get it at any coffee shop now. Um, and, you know, from South America, I talk about maca and dragon's blood. And, you know, I just want to make sure that we had herbs from different parts of the world and not just, you know, our Western herbs that everyone already knows about here. So I want to get a good snapshot of uh, remedies from different corners of the world, but but that we still have access to here for the most yeah, part. That must have been hard to be like, but I love you so much, but you don't make the cut. It's probably like trying to choose between your children. So I guess maybe a volume <laughs> two would have to happen, right? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> it reminds me, I did have a tea expert um, a few years back on the podcast, edge man, the amount I learned about tea, but it was obviously very herbal, but there's um, and I cannot remember the name, but it started with a Y I think. And it's a, an herb, I believe that she uses, she's in Alaska and they use it for the Iditarod and for the dog sledders and it keeps them awake. Um, and it's a certain tea that she brews. And I didn't know if that was something that um rang a bell but that just kind of came to mind when you're talking about tea and like brewing I wonder I know like around here I'm in North Carolina and we have um a native shrub called yapon holly 
and it's the only um, North American plant that contains caffeine. So I wonder if that's it. You said it might start with a Y, but but yeah. I know that here, like indigenous cultures to brew it for that wake up for, for um, you know, for that natural kind of caffeine hit. So that might be it. I don't talk about it in my, in my book, but it's definitely something that grows around here. It's like an all natural, like caffeine fix, I suppose. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, if you have, I mean, I'm not going to ask you to choose because you already had to choose a hundred out of how many, um, what's your favorite? If you had to pick, like, I guess it would depend yeah. on the category, but it really depends on what day you ask me and what time of day you ask me, like it, it changes so much. Um, right now, I think my favorite is hibiscus. Um, you know, I think a lot of people know hibiscus is that like red zinger tea and, and it's like makes a beautiful, like, like scarlet cup of tea and it tastes good. It tastes kind of, kind of a little sour and a little sweet. Um, but it's, I, I grow it. And that's one of the reasons I'm in love with it right now, because I just harvested a bunch and I've been drying it. And, and, uh, you know, you just put a couple, you know, a few sprigs in, in your water and it turns immediately this pink color. Um, well, those colors are very medicinal, like anything red, purple, blue spectrum of, of plants is super nourishing for the blood vessels and for the brain. Um, and, you know, since we talk a lot about kids on this show, um, uh, you know, these like blueberries and, and raspberries and blackberries and hibiscus, you know, anything that turns your, your water red, um, is so good for the brain and it's so good for the memory. It's so good for helping our learning and our cognition, uh, and for doing math and, and memorizing index cards and, and things like that. So um, I like to have a lot of color in my beverages, a lot of natural colors, because it, it really helps um, perk up our brain and, and it keeps our blood vessels healthy. And it's like more fun. Who wants to drink just plain and water? And it's fun. That's right. That's right. I never drink plain water. And, and when I teach classes, I'm always like, you know, there's so much emphasis on filling your water bottles every day, but why not, you know, put a few flower violets in there and make your water blue or, or blueberries or raspberries or strawberries or hibiscus, you know, even like turmeric or green tea, anything that makes you know, I was talking about rubos tea uh, earlier, but it makes your water like this bright color of orange and, and, and all those colors are super healthy for your body. So when you talk hibiscus, like I'm, I'm aware of like the flower, my dad used to, you know, grow them. Is that what that is? Or is there a, a, something? <laughs> different? So, um, the, the specific herb is called Roselle hibiscus, which is not like the landscape hibiscus that you, it might be, but it's not always the landscape hibiscus that you put in a pot on your porch or, um, so it's Roselle hibiscus, um, technically, uh, and it's pretty easy to grow if you have a warm climate. Like I said, I'm in the Southeast, um, and, um, it's not the flower when the flower falls out that little leathery part that surrounds the flower swells up. And then it's, it's almost like a fruit that you pick and, but it's not a fruit either. It's actually the, the, the swollen ovary of the plant. Um, and so you, the flowers are really pretty. They look like okra. We grow a lot of okra here um, and okra is in the same family as hibiscus. So they look like okra flowers, but as soon as the flowers fade, they've 
fall out and it's that kind of leathery portion that's left behind. We call that a calyx. And so technically it's the hibiscus calyx that you you'll find in tea. Um, and I, I know a lot of people think it's the flower, but, but that said, the flower is edible, the leaves are edible. So, I mean, you're not going to go wrong, but that, um, it's that lead, red leathery calyx. It's so delicious. And, and, um, I've been just making candied hibiscus. I made hibiscus syrup. I have, I just got married last weekend. So oh, congratulations. We, had a, we had a homestead wedding and, and I just really wanted to feature a lot of like plants from the gardens in the, yeah. in the menu. So, uh, we made just hibiscus candy and, and hibiscus, um, and like this quinoa hibiscus pilaf and, and hibiscus syrup for the bar and just, you know, so many like fun hibiscus recipes this year. Wow. That's so fun. Is it almost like the goldenrod, like that type of flower as well? So, you know, goldenrod is completely different. It's a wild flower here. So I don't have to grow it in my garden, but there's fields and fields of it that grow naturally around here. And goldenrod is more of a, like a, a plant that's, that kind of grows in like a, a spear shape almost and um, has like this tuft of little yellow flowers. Uh, and I love goldenrod too. There's a lot of goldenrod in our bouquets uh, last week because it's in flower here this time of year. But goldenrod is something I would I would pluck the the tops, the flowers and a few of the leaves and bring it home and put it in tea or dry it for tea. Um, for urinary tract issues, um, oh. also for, for seasonal allergies. Um, you know, a lot of people who get those fall hay fevers blame goldenrod because oh. as, soon as, as soon as the goldenrod comes out, people start sneezing, but it's not the goldenrod. It's like some other plant that we don't see. Uh, it's ragweed actually. Oh. Um, and, and so the, but you know, ironically, if you bring goldenrod home and, and take it as a tea or, or a tincture, um, it really helps clear up those sniffles. Interesting. And ragweed, I assume, is not a helpful. Uh, it's a really, it really, <laughs> really triggers a lot of those allergies. Now, some people do use ragweed medicinally for other things, but um, when it's pollinate, when, when it's pollen goes in the air, it can trigger a lot of um, hay fevers. We have what we call cedar fever here in Austin huh. uh, because of the, okay. all the cedar trees. And then you got the females and the males and they pollinate and mm. they puff in this huge, like you can see like when it happens, oh. like cloudy and we die. <laughs> like Oh my God. You develop it as you live here. Cause I never uh -huh. had an allergy in my life. And then I move here and I'm like dying. So yeah. yeah. And yeah, we experienced some of that because, you know, obviously we had a lot of family in town for the wedding. And I remember my nephew just had to grab a box of tissues. And just like the whole time he was here, he had this box of tissues because, you know, if you're not used to the pollen of an area, it's going to, it's going to trigger you, um, you know, but after living here for, for years and years, it starts to go away and your body adjusts to it. And the local honey will help like a spoonful of like that's local right. honey helps. And then mm -hmm. uh, I know that that's a thing. And then, you know, it's allergies are just no fun, but, uh, I went to Bermuda and I was dying and there's cedar huge is huge there. And I was like, we just cannot get like cedar furniture, everything. And so oh, no, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's okay. everywhere. It's beautiful. But, um, 
you know, you get the itchy eyes and things, but um, it's interesting. You can do goldenrod to help with maybe some ragweed like. Exactly. Out. And, you know, it's interesting that you mention um, honey because honey is such a great vehicle for a lot of herbs. Um, like we can soak herbs in honey and flavor, flavor the honey and, and then have like a spoonful of honey as, as your medicine. Um, and I really love doing that with a, a, a lot of different herbs like thyme, which grows in, in kitchen gardens. Um, if you want like a, a spoonful of honey for a sore throat and, and you infuse thyme in it, it like really helps. It, it really helps, um, you know, because that thyme makes it really um, like antimicrobial and and just adds to the medicinal value. And I also love like, you know, kids, it's, it's hard to get kids to eat things like ginger and, and garlic, you know, but, but when they're coming down with a cold or, or they've got, um, you know, pinworms or, or something, you know, it, it's, it's hard for them. You want to give them a clove of garlic, but they're not going to go for that. No. But if you soak, if you soak garlic and ginger in, in some honey and, and strain the honey out, they might take a spoonful of that honey. Um, and that's just going to be so great for warding, warding off the cold and, and anything like that. I know there's a lot of like medicinal, um, not medicinal, but like uh, more natural cough syrups out there that have honey mm -hmm. in them. Um, mm -hmm. that really works well, but, um, it's the brown color that kids are like, oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have one. I My middle child is like that. It's just like, if you see a speck of green in anything, even if it's ramen noodles or whatever, it's like, they're not going to have anything uh, to do with it. He's grown up. They grow out of it. Okay. Sure. So my son is 20 years old now and I see him eat things. I never would have imagined him eating or, or trying, uh, but he was the pickiest, um, but he did love his noodle soup. And so I would make a broth out of herbs and onions and garlic and things like that. And as long as I strained all that out, he would drink the broth, you know, and then he'd love like miso, like miso soups. So I'd put a little miso in there. That's um, such a strong flavor and he's picky. I have a He was fine with that, but he, he would if it had like a speck of a leaf in it, no way. Huh. No I have way. a very picky, picky eater. He's more of a snacker. So hopefully he grows out of it. But, um, you know, he's a very healthy eater though. He likes fruits and vegetables and things. So oh, that's good. Yeah. Mine was not, <laughs> mine was not into fruits <laughs> and vegetables. <laughs> Kids are tricky. I mean, they'll throw you for a loop, but, um, the book is amazing and it's, it's, it's a beautiful, I mean, it's beautiful too. Um, did you get to have any input on how it looked? I did. They were really great with me. We did a lot of back and forth. I mean, you know, a lot of it was making sure that um, the plant photos were actually the plants that we're talking about. I can ask you about those. Are those like, I, obviously National Geographic has a million bajillion photos in their, in their. They do. And, and they also had to source photos from like renowned botanists. And like some of the photos came from the late Stephen Foster, who's an herbalist photographer and, and has a lot of, um, you know, galleries out there. And so, um, but we had to like really validate that the plants in the photos were what I was talking about because often there's more than one species, you know, so um, like witch hazel, for example, which is an American herb, the one that I was talking about, 
um, you know, there's a Chinese witch hazel. So at first the book had Chinese. I'm like, oh no, that's, that's a different species. So we need to look more for this. And, and so knowing those subtleties of like, oh, that is more of an orange flower and this is more of a yellow flower. You know, I, so I really had to weigh in a lot about the, the identity of, of the herbs in, in the art, but also in a lot of cases, like, um, what they were portraying in some of the the photos, like for the section on cayenne, I I do share a recipe from my family, which is Colombian ahi, which is a type of like vinegar based um a, a cayenne sauce, if you will. Um, and they, of course, you know, I can't blame them. The the photo editors at, at National Geographic probably never heard of this, so there was like a picture of something that looked like salsa. Um, and I was like, that's not ahi. That's definitely not. And you can't find a picture of Colombian ahi anywhere. And oh, so wow. they, they let me stage a photo and they gave me tips for how to, you know, the lighting and what kind of aesthetic they're looking for. So it ended up at that like dusk on the old picnic table outside. I took my ceramic bowl of ahi that I made and went and took a bunch of pictures and it's in the book. And so I have, I have a photograph in the National Geographic Herbal. I love that. I'm gonna have to look it up. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Um, Cause I always like, it's always so stunning. And I really love at the very beginning, every, every two, it's two pages. I think each get a two pages. It's, it wasn't what I expected when I opened the book. I was like, Oh, you know, maybe a guide, but it's literally, it's like lots of information about one on each page. And it's really very interesting. And, um, what are your hopes for this book? Ooh, well, you know, it's an herbal and an herbal has herbals have long history, long history in you know, the history of writing, you have ancient and herbal because oh, that's what herbal. it said that really threw me off when it says like herbal. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So an herbal is a book, a reference book that has, um, you know, kind of lets you get to know a variety of medicinal plants. And, you know, there's ancient textbooks out there that are herbals. There's ancient Chinese herbals, ancient Ayurvedic herbals. There's, um, you know, the the British herbals, there's all kinds of herbals in the world and they're used differently depending on who, like, you know, they might be something you do keep on your, on your coffee table. Cause they can be beautiful. Cause often there's pictures and there's art and, and illustrations. Um, my hope, I guess, is, um, you know, some of my favorite herbals that I used as a student, I take out in the field and I literally have like plants pressed in their pages and flowers because I'm out there. Oh, there's a violet. And I open to violet in my book and I'm looking at it and reading about it. And I put the plant in there and there's like my memory. Um, I also have herbals on my nightstand that I just love to peruse that are relaxing and calming, kind of sacred to me. Um, there's children's herbals. Um, and, and so I just like, um, you know, I'm, you know, in the kitchen, the pages get sticky and, and you're, you're making recipes and trying to cook with herbs and inevitably you get honey on your pages, yeah. you know, so, so that's kind of what I hope that, you know, it's such a beautiful book. And, and the, I don't know if you're feeling that the cover of the book kind of has this fabric yeah. feeling to it. Yeah. So I imagine unless you really treasure it and keep it in a corner, um, if you use it, it's going to get, you know, it, it's going to 
get that worn look and, and that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, you want it lived in. You want someone yeah. to like live, like you want the book lived in. Yes. Um, and utilize it and use it as a resource. And um, I love stuff like that. National Geographic always does an amazing job. I get very excited. It's not yellow, it's white. And <laughs> when the yellow ones come, my son sees them and he's like, take some right away. I'm like, mm, he won't know what this one is yet. So I get to actually yeah. it myself. Right. Um, but um, please tell us where we can find it and what might be on the horizon for you. So um, you can find information about it and links to it on my website, which is MimiPrunellaHernandez.com. Um, you can also find it on my link tree on Instagram, which is MimiPrunellaHernandez.com um, or my Facebook author page, which is MimiPrunellaHerbal. Um, other than that, anywhere you buy books, typically. So if that's... Um, you know, you can find it at Disney or National Geographic website, or even like your Barnes and Noble, Amazon, you know, your typical book vendors, and hopefully at bookstores near you, awesome. um, you can also find it. So I, I haven't, I haven't been out where I've seen it in a bookstore yet. Oh. But I, I think that's when it's really going to hit me when I see it at an actual bookstore. I think I'll probably faint. <laughs> so fun. I have a, a friend that is, um, he's an artivist and he's, he, I had him on a few weeks ago actually. And his books are very like child. He's been doing a lot of children's books lately. And so I'll go to target and every time I see it, I take a photo and I'm like, look what I see. And I mean, he's still awesome. really crazy and he's written so many now, but, uh, and, and illustrates them. But uh, every time I see someone, I mean, I have a, a, I contributed a chapter to a book and I have not yet seen it either in a bookstore, but I can imagine that'll be very exciting. And yeah. if I find it, I will take a picture and send it. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I think it's exciting. It's celebrate your work. Uh, do you have any other books coming up? Um, you know, there's a um, National Geographic bookazine coming out um, at all the checkout counters near you, and that's in January. So the bookazine is is one of those magazines that you find at your grocery stores, um, and it's kind of a mini version of this book. It's it's got you know it's it's organized different, it's a lot more general, but it's still it's it's a whole different design team, and and I'm excited. I haven't held one in my hand yet, but that'll be out in early January. Very cool. And maybe you could do a book on, um, and maybe you did this in this one because it is so robust, maybe like herbs for occasions and weddings and be I love that. inspiring yeah. from the wedding. Yeah. I'm really um, like my dream is to do like a kitchen book or a cookbook and do things like that. Like what kind of herbal recipes would we make for, you know, someone who's pregnant or someone who's celebrating a wedding or someone who's mourning or someone who's sick, you know, so, so like, what are the different recipes for remedies and food? I would really love that. Yeah. Cause a lot of, and I had a friend that was looking into doing something like healthy food trains, because when you have loss, yeah. you typically get the heavy stuff and it makes you sluggish when you just want to pick me up. So if you ever write something like that, please come back and share it. I would love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And thank you so much for being here and sharing your work. And um, it's amazing. I love having conversations and um, good luck to you and listeners. Please go check out a copy of the book. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Um, and I think you'll be really happy. And uh, please follow Mimi and uh, leave any type of notes or comments, rate and review. And please come back when you have more to share with us, Mimi. And thank you again. Absolutely. So
Uh, All right. All right. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. We will catch you on the next one. Everything Mimi shared will be in the show notes and we will see you later. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.